Muy buenos días a todos en Sunrise. Es una alegría estar aquí con ustedes por este medio. Gracias por acompañarnos. Mi nombre es Florizul y yo trabajo para la iglesia. Soy parte del personal y estoy muy agradecida por poder tener esta oportunidad de leer la porción de la palabra de este día, que va a estar en Mateo 7, versículo del 1 al 12. No juzguen a nadie para que nadie los juzgue a ustedes. Porque tal como juzguen, se les juzgará. Y con la medida que midan a otros, se les medirá a ustedes. ¿Por qué te fijas en la astilla que tiene tu hermano en el ojo y no le das importancia a la viga que está en el tuyo? ¿Cómo puedes decirle a tu hermano, déjame sacarte la astilla del ojo, cuando ahí tienes una viga en el tuyo? Hipócrita, saca primero la viga de tu propio ojo. Y entonces verás con claridad para sacar la astilla del ojo de tu hermano. No den lo sagrado a los perros, no sea que se vuelvan contra ustedes y los despedacen. Ni echen sus perlas a los cerdos, no sea que las pisoteen. Pidan y se les dará. Busquen y encontrarán. Llamen y se les abrirá. Porque todo el que pide recibe. El que busca, encuentra, y al que llama, se le abre. ¿Quién de ustedes, si su hijo le pide pan, le da una piedra? ¿O si le pide un pescado, le dará una serpiente? Pues si ustedes, aún siendo malos, saben dar cosas buenas a sus hijos, ¿cuánto más su Padre, que está en el cielo, dará cosas buenas a los que le pidan? Así que en todo traten ustedes a los demás tal y como quieren que ellos los traten a ustedes. De hecho, esto es la ley y los profetas. Que Dios los bendiga y tengan un buen día. Hasta luego. Well, good morning, Sunrise. My name is Greg, and I'm the Youth and Children's Director here at Sunrise. And I uh, just want to thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, Man, this, this series has been such a blessing in my life. I loved that I got to be a part of the kind of creating this series with Pastor Russ. And man, we've covered a lot. We've covered, uh, we've covered how uh, our culture responds to money, to sex, to identity, to authority, to uh, worship. And, and we've really just been diving into the fact that, uh, man, the, the, the reactions in our culture are not necessarily just that uh, we should do or not do certain actions in our life, but it has so much more to do with the heart of the issue, that with where our hearts are at, what our hearts are longing for. So it's so much not more, uh, it's, it's so much not do this or don't do that. It's what your heart longing for. It kind of like what Russ was saying last week, it's that, that heart-eye coordination and what you're longing for. And so as we dive into our scripture today, which is Matthew 7, verses 1 through 12, uh, I find it ironic that its focus is around community uh, in a time that uh, our nation and our, our communities are at a very unstable uh, place. Uh, God foreknew uh, that we would need to be talking about this. And so we've been planning to have this conversation for months now. And God knew that we would need to, to talk about this issue of what does it mean to be a community in God? 
And so uh, we're going to jump right into it. It starts off right from the beginning about this idea of judgment. And judgment today in our society is almost a uh, bad word, right? It's, it's one of those things that no one wants to be accused of judging. No one wants to be judged. And maybe you've heard it said before, like, are you judging me? Are, are you judging me right now? And, and, and the person, no, no, not me. I'm not judging you, right? Or maybe you've, uh, you've heard it said, I don't mean to judge right before they judge you. Uh, or maybe the other thing, and this is maybe my favorite, is I disagree 100% with everything that you're saying and what you're choosing to, how you're choosing to live your life, but hey, I don't want to judge. So uh, it's like you just did. Just because we didn't tag it judgment or you tried not to, doesn't mean you didn't. Uh, and uh, some of that fear, some of that uh, not wanting to judge comes from our first verse. Uh, right right uh, there, Matthew 7, verse 1, that says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure uh, you used, uh, it, will be you, it will be measured to you. So what is Jesus warning his followers about? Is he talking about that, that final judgment that God has for us at the end of everything when he comes and uh, redeems the, the earth and creates a new heaven and earth and there's this final judgment moment? Is that what Jesus is talking about here? That, that it's almost like God will have his set of rules where he's going to say, uh, well, I say to do this or not do that, and there's my judgment. Uh, but, but then there's your book, and so uh, you judge people a certain way. So by my rules, you would have made it to heaven, but by your rules, nah, not so much. Is that what Jesus is saying here about a final judgment? I don't think so. I don't think it's like a, a class project, right, where you're doing a group, group work and, and you're all doing a parts of a project. And at the end of that, you know, there's this uh, paper that you get where it says, grade your, your peers. You know, how did they do? Um, in that sense, there, there sometimes is a, a camaraderie uh, moment where you're kind of looking at each other like, hey, if we all give each other good grades here, uh, then all of our grades are going to get better. It's not like we're really hurting anyone by not uh, by giving someone uh, good grades. So let's all give each other A's, and then that way we're all good, right? Except for that guy. He didn't do anything. We can all fail him so that we look like we did our work, right? But, but for the rest of us, we're, we're going to give each other A's. Uh, at least that's how a lot of my groups went. <laughs> um, but Jesus is not actually saying that he's going to grade on a curve, uh, that's not what's going to happen when we get to heaven. Like we're going to, he's going to have his judgment and then he's going to say, well, you were really light on people, so I'll be light on you. No, Romans 3, 23 through 25 kind of lays out this idea of ultimate judgment. He says, for all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. When we are judged on that final day, the question will not be, were you a good person or a bad person? Did you judge uh, harshly or were you light on judging? The question will be, uh, when we get to that final day of judgment, is does God see you in the mess of your life with all your good and bad deeds? Or does he see the righteousness of his son Jesus poured onto you by his sacrifice? Does he see you or does he see Jesus? 
Because the promise is, is if we accept what Jesus has done on the cross, if, if we've asked for forgiveness, if we've, if we've said, Jesus, I am yours, and I want to be a part of your community, so forgive me of my sins, then the promise is when God sees us from that judgment seat, he doesn't see us in our mess. He sees his son and, and the holiness and, and the sinlessness in our life. And he does that with giving us the gift of, of grace. It's not that we deserve it. It's, it's a gift given to us by Jesus. And so this judgment that we're talking about can't be a final judgment. That's not what, what Jesus is teaching about here. He's not teaching about the final judgment. So let's read on. Verse 2, what, what, what is Jesus talking about here? He says, uh, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, but pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you can clearly see to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. Jesus is pointing out the fact that while you on earth, that you should judge lightly those people who are around you. That you can look at the people around you, and before you cast your judgment on them, really ask yourself, what's in my own heart? Where does God need to work in my life first? What things, what kind of places am I holding on to and, and longing for worldly desires that I need God to kind of come in and work on me first? Before I look at my brother or my sister and I judge them and, and hold them to a standard that I myself am not living to, how can I invite God to work in me first? And that's what Jesus is saying is, you know, while you're on earth, you, you can easily cast judgment on each other and you can hold each other to different standards. But understand that also while you're on earth, people will look at the judgment that you put on them and they'll hold you accountable as well. It's not about the final judgment, because we just talked about, that's a, do you know Jesus or not? The question is, how are people around you going to be looking at you? What is your witness now? What, what is the community that you're a part of? What, what kind of things are you doing? And so that's what Jesus is talking about here. Are you a hypocrite? Or can you come to your brother and sister and say, I, I, I understand where you're at, and I want to be involved with your, your situation, and I want to love you through this. I want to I be there for you. Not to cast judgment, because I know that I'm not perfect. I know that I, there's a lot of things that I need to work on as well. And so I just want to help you through your situation. Because there's also a fear when it comes to judgment. There, there's this other attitude that comes to this, uh, I don't want to judge you mentality. And that actually is more of a, a theology of self-preservation. It's this idea that, uh, you know, if I don't get involved with your mess, then I don't have a harsh judgment. And so God will let me off the hook. And so uh, I'm not going to judge you and you don't judge me and, and you do you and you, I'll do me. And we all kind of just stay apart from each other. Uh, we all distance ourselves from one another, not for social distancing, but because we're heart distancing from one another. We're breaking up our community from one another so that we can... Uh, just worry about me. And that is not at all what Jesus did when he came down from heaven and got very involved in our lives, in our community, in our mess. And instead, he, he, he got very involved with us. So 
Here's the question. When it comes to our lives and living with one another, can we come to each other with humble hearts? Can we come to each other with a place of understanding and and love for one another? Because we understand that we aren't perfect. That we all have a mess that we're working through. And Jesus is all working in all of our hearts. When we come to people in that situation, I think that there's so much more redemption available to our community, to the people around us. When we can look at someone and say, hey, listen, I see that you have some things going on in your life that you need, you need to kind of get right with God on. But I have faith that you can do that and that there is forgiveness for you because I've had a lot of logs and, and specks in my own life and, and he's got me through a lot of those things and there's still some things he's working on, but, but I, I have faith that he can get you through that. And it doesn't matter what that thing is in your life, whether that's uh, an addiction in your life, whether that's sexual sin, whether that's racism, or if there's a past abortion, or if it's uh, idolatry, or just any kind of uh, abuse in your life that you are doing or has been done to you, any of that kind of stuff, any of that hurt, that lack of forgiveness, whatever that thing is in your life, I want you to understand that none of those things are greater than what God had done on that cross, what Jesus' sacrifice was. None of those things are greater than him. And so he covers all of those sins. He covers all of those mistakes. He covers all of those hurts with his blood. And he brings us to redemption in him, to be a new people, to be a new creation in him. And so I believe that he can do that in your life because he's done it in mine. Because I got to tell you, before I knew who Jesus was, only hurt, only evil, only hatred came from my life. The good moments now look terrible because I realize that even though I may have not been sinning, what my heart was desiring at that moment was just not good. And so now I can, I want that same kind of life for you to be redeemed. You know, the, 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 the lie of the evil one is the fact that we have to hide those things from each other because we don't want judgment from one another. Because uh, there's this fear that if they knew about your past, if they knew what you were struggling with, if they knew who you really were, that they would, the church would, would, shine, would shun you. They would, they would push you away. They would, they would say, get out of here. You're not one of us. But the ironic thing is church is the one place that everyone is coming to fully admitting that they're not enough, fully admitting that they need saving, that they aren't good enough themselves. Uh, I love how Jesus puts it earlier or later on in Matthew 9 where he says, it's not the sick or it's not the healthy who need the doctor, it's the sick. And in that same way, it's not the perfect people who need Jesus, it's the sinners who need Jesus. And so as we're coming to church, as we're coming together and as God's community, we're fully admitting we are not good enough, but we found someone who is. We found someone worth following, and his name is Jesus. 
And he loves us and he lived the perfect life. And then instead of holding that for himself, instead of saying, well, I made it, I'm going to worry just about me and I'm not going to judge any of you guys, but I lived a perfect life, so I'm going to make it to heaven. Instead of doing that, he, he took his perfect life and he, he sacrificed it on the cross and died the death that you and I deserve. And he did that because he loves us and he was creating a bridge for us to be a new community, to be a part of his kingdom of God. And after he talks about this, after Jesus talks about this judgment of not being a hypocrite and not, uh, not, not doing any of that stuff, he gives a warning to his followers. He says, listen, there's going to be some people who don't want this. There's going to be some people who are going to try to abuse uh, the, the gift of grace. There's going to be people who are going to try to uh, tear down my kingdom, who are going to try to abuse the, the family that I'm building here on earth. And so just to be aware and to be uh, wise about what to do with them, where he says, uh, do not give dogs uh, what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, uh, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear uh, you to pieces. I think it's ironic that uh, just after Jesus says, don't judge anyone or anything like that, that he then asks his followers to judge other people, judge who are the pigs and the dogs around you. And I think the warning that he's really kind of giving them is this idea that there are going to be people who are going to take what you're trying to do in their life as you're, as you're trying to be involved in their life and as you're trying to guide them towards Jesus, that they're going to look at that and say, you're, you don't really love me. You don't, you don't care for me. You're judging me right now. And the, the answer is no, no, I'm not really judging you. I, I'm just simply trying to, to, to help you understand who loves you more than you love yourself. And Jesus warns them that there's going to be times when those people walk away from him. They walk away from the church that walk away from you. And they did that to Jesus as well. There's many times where Jesus would look at the crowd and he would say something that was very unpopular and, and they didn't like it. And they would run away. Crowds, massive amounts of people. Even to his 12 disciples, his 12 close friends, he looked at them at one point and said, are you going to leave me too? And they said, no. Where else would we go? You alone uh, are where the kingdom of God is. You alone are the Messiah. You alone are our connection. Where else could we possibly go? And that's our answer too. Uh, where else could we go but to Jesus? And that's why when people walk away from us, when people walk away from God, we can't lose hope or lose faith in, in what He's doing. We can only just continue to pray for them and say, God, I, I know that you're going to do something amazing, even though it all looks so crazy right now. Because honestly, where else would I go? You alone are my Savior. Jesus continues, uh, verse 7, he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, uh, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? And, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, uh, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? 
This is the second text that I think sometimes can be misused or misunderstood uh, and lead us to some bad theology, bad understanding of the kingdom of God. Uh, it's easy for someone to look at what Jesus just said, ask, and it'll be given to you. Uh, and so you can say, well, there it is. Uh, I, can, I, I can ask for whatever I want, and he's going to give it to me. That's what he just said. Now, I believe in the Bible. So, uh, God, I'm going to pray right now. I want a large bank account. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, I could take a Tesla. I'll take a Tesla. Yeah, uh, just one. I'm, I'm not going to be greedy. Uh, a, a house on the beach, that would be great. Um, and you know, while we're at it, how about steak every meal without heart disease, diabetes, or any like bad stuff? Just meat all the time. Love it. There. That's what I want, Jesus. But that's not actually what Jesus is talking about here. Um, what Jesus is talking about, and James 4 will give us a little more guidance on that kind of idea or interpretation of what Jesus is saying. Uh, James 4 says, You desire, but you do not have, you, so you kill. You covet, um, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. That, is, that you may spend what you get on your pleasure. James is saying, you know, when you go to God and you pray for things, who, who are you praying for? Are you praying that God's kingdom would come and, and that his will would be done on earth? Are you praying, as Jesus had instructed us to, to pray for God to be glorified and that you could be a part of what he's doing? Are you praying for your own kingdom? Are you praying for your own pleasures? Are you praying for your, yourself in a very selfish, ungodly way? You know, sometimes we come to God and we have our needs, uh, and they're not really needs. They're wants. They're, they're things that we, we really want to see happen. And not that that's bad. It's not that God is like, I'm busy. Don't talk to me. Not at all. But sometimes we come with our hearts in the wrong place not willing to submit to what God has for us. We, we want God to do what we want when we want it, and we don't want to hear any back talk. And God will very quickly put us back in our place in those situations and say, no, 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 that's, that's not what this is about. Uh, and so the question then becomes, well, then what is, Jesus, what is Jesus really offering us here? When he says, if you, if you seek, you will find, and when you ask, you know, uh, what, what is he saying there? Why, why is he saying that? Is he just like giving us a false promise? Well, no. In fact, Jesus is giving you the best thing that he can give you. Uh, he's giving you the best treasure from heaven. He's giving you more of himself. When he says that if you do any of those things, that you will find more of him, that is the ultimate thing that you can possibly get. If you will seek him, you will find him. If you ask for him, he, he, will, he will give you more of himself. If you, if you knock on the door of heaven, it'll be open to you. And you will be welcomed as sons and daughters of God. A, a family will be given to you. It's not about building our own uh, heaven. It's about joining the heaven that God has already created for us. A perfection that is, is waiting for us beyond this earth. And that's what Jesus is telling us that we can, we can ask for. And we will find it easy 
We will find it just, he'll, he'll just dump the bucket of, of grace and, and himself on us. And he'll keep pouring it over and over and over again because he wants us to understand who he is and what he's done for us. That's the promise. And, and all, all those other things, those, those, those worries that we have, he's already addressed that just prior in Matthew 6 where he said, you know, those earthly needs that you have, it's not that those things don't exist. No, he understands them. But Jesus was referencing them and saying, you know, God can make it so that all the birds in the sky, even though they don't farm, they have plenty of food. And, and he makes it so that society should uh, function in a, in a good way where he's going to take care of you. And so if he can take care of the birds of the sky, don't you think he could probably take care of you? I mean, he's the creator of heaven and earth. You think he could cre- create a plan where you're going to be okay? Even though maybe you don't see it, even though maybe you don't understand it, maybe he can, he can get that done. And I love uh, a bit of the, the sarcasm that uh, maybe I personally read into the text a bit. Uh, I tend to do that sometimes, but uh, that Jesus kind of lays out there. He says, listen, listen, you parents, uh, even though you're evil, even though you suck, <laughs> uh, you can figure out a way to give good gifts to your children and figure out a way to keep them alive and, and take care of them. You can figure that out. So don't you think, I'm, I'm just throwing it out, don't you think the guy who made everything, uh, who has all power and all authority, uh, don't you think he can create a plan where you will be taken care of? Uh, I think it might actually even be even better, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, I just love that. He's just really laying it out for him. And so uh, he, he finishes off uh, this section in verse 12 where he says, So in everything you do uh, to others, what you would have them do to you. Uh, For this sums up the law of the prophets. Jesus takes everything that God's been trying to teach us uh, through the First Testament and really just boils it down to a pretty simple phrase, and that is, treat one another like you you would want to be treated. Yet, how often... Do we miss this? You know, as I was preparing this message, um, each day I would kind of come and I would sit in front of my computer and I would just have such a heavy heart um, with everything that's kind of happening in our nation currently um, and with all the stuff when it comes to uh, George Floyd and uh, the tragedy of of his death and just uh, all the other incidences uh, of, of hurt and uh, despair and uh, inequality surrounding um, our nation. It just kind of kept weighing on me each day. And uh, honestly, I was getting overwhelmed, uh, frustrated. And so I think it was uh, either Monday or Tuesday, I woke up that morning and I just thought to myself, you know, I'm, I'm done. I, I don't want to I don't want to, I just need a break. I'm just going to pause button this whole situation. I'm not going to read anything about it. I'm just going to unplug from everything. And that way I don't have to deal with it. Just, I don't want to hear about another uh, incident with protesters and rioters. I don't want to hear about how cops did a good job or not did a good job. I don't want to hear about uh, where the cases are at. I don't want to hear about anything. I just want to take a break. And it wasn't long until after that moment that... Uh, I got convicted because I started to realize, man, how nice it must be for me that I can just choose to take a break to inequality, to hurt, 
to, to everything that's happening right now. How nice, uh, what a privilege I have that I can just decide for myself, oh, I'm going to take a day off. How many of my brothers and sisters uh, would love that opportunity to not have to engage the inequality of race, the, the hurt around uh, how we treat uh, certain people? And how many of my brothers and sisters, not even just in the United States, but at large, live in that same kind of inequality in their countries? Uh, women who are looked down upon for being female and not equal to males, those Christians who are having to hide their faith uh, because the government has not seen them as equals. Uh, There's so much inequality within our world. How nice that I choose, that I get the ability to unplug from the injustice of our world. Now, I'm not about to tell you how you should feel about the current situation in our nation I'm not about to be the one who tries to make any political statement and tell you who to vote for or who's doing a good job or which news agency uh, you should listen to, if any. Um, I'm not going to do any of that because, honestly, I'm not an expert and I have no business telling you any of that stuff. But what I can tell you is simply that we as Christians, we are called to be a part of the solution. We're called to be a part of the healing of our world and our nation. That is very clear in the Bible. And so as we look at what's happening in our nation, before we cast judgment, can we first look at them and understand that God loves them? Can we look at both sides of the argument and understand that there's a lot of hurt and fear and, and history there that, that needs to be talked about? Can we, can we open our hearts up to the option that... Uh, we, we, we need to understand both sides a little bit more. And before we, we call each other dogs or pigs or whatever, can we take a step back and understand that we all do bad things? And the only way that we're truly going to ever have community to build a, a nation back together is honestly when we have Christ at the center of everything. And so my question is, is how can we be a part of that solution of bringing both sides together? Those people who have been marginalized by our society, those people who have so much hurt and history of hurt in their, in their past, they need justice. They need to be, uh, have some reconciliation happen. They need to be seen and heard a bit. How, how, do, we, how do we help them understand that, that Jesus needs to be at the center of that happening, that they will only find true justice at the cross. And for those people who have abused their power and their status, how can we help them to find redemption and forgiveness at the cross? It's only actually when both sides come to Jesus that true change will actually happen, that true redemption and and a change in our nation will happen. And so my question is, is how can we be a part of that? And the, the truth is, honestly, I don't know. I don't have all the answers. I don't know all the, the right things to say. Uh, and that's probably part of the reason that I had such a heavy heart when it came to the subject of uh, building a community together. But one thing that came back to me was just simply this. We can pray. 
It starts with prayer. It starts with praying for those people in our community who have been pushed to the side so much. It, it starts with us praying for our communities, for our leaders, for those people in power, for those people who are hurting, for, those, for the police officers. It starts with us praying for them. And as we pray for them, we should seek and know that God will give us more of himself because that's what our nation really needs is more Jesus in it. So my challenge to you, Sunrise or wherever uh, you are uh, at this, wherever you're seeing this, is simply this. Will you join me at least for a week to, to, to pray once a day, maybe for nine minutes, uh, to pray for our nation, to pray for our communities, to pray for our leaders, to pray for the police officers, to pray for those people who have been uh, missed uh, for so long and so much injustice has been done to them. Can we pray for them? Uh, and, and maybe that's where we start to build a community together. Because the reality is, is it's only when God is at the center of all of our hearts can true community be built together, to true unity can be built together, where we can actually see God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you so much that this uh, did not catch you off guard. As crazy as 2020 has been, God, that there was not a moment that you didn't know about. The, the virus didn't catch you off guard, that uh, the the Incidences that have been happening, uh, not just this year, but for years, uh, did not catch you off guard, and, and that you are causing a change to happen. God, I pray that uh, more importantly than any other change or health risk or any of that, God, that your kingdom could be glorified in the year 2020, that your people could start to pray like they've never prayed before, because honestly, we all got a lot more time, and God, that you would help us to uh, seek to understand more than condemn, that you would help us to, to love more than we hate. And that God, that I pray that your kingdom would just be glorified through your people. And I thank you for the many people of Sunrise and for your kingdom, God, that we are all different nationalities. We're in all different places, uh, different privileges, different, different uh, wealth, different uh, blessings, God, all of those things, God. But, but we're different and that glorifies you. And so, God, I pray that you would build us together as your community, as your family, as brothers and sisters, and that you would teach us how to love one another. Thank you that you uh, did not uh, decide to just stay in heaven and stay away from us uh, and keep it all to yourself, but you loved us so much that you got involved and that you died in, on the cross for us. So God, we thank you for today, and I pray that people... Uh, would join me 